Hi, I'm Ron Gilbert, and welcome to our weekly Thimbleweed Park Dev. I'm going to, there's a truck going by. Hold on. I know there were trucks going by all the time when you lived in San Francisco. Is it any different where you are now? Yeah, the trucks are following me. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to shut the window here. Well, I heard there were earthquakes around there. Is that true or is that yeah, a lot? Yeah, we have earthquakes. When I lived up here the first time, there were probably, I think there were three memorable earthquakes. One of them was actually quite large. I was just reading this whole thing about this big subduction zone right off the oh, yeah. specific coast that, you know, sometime in the next, you know, like 100,000 years, it's going to go. And they're saying it's going to be big. Like if it happened today, it would, you know, probably kill like 50,000 people along Portland and uh, and Seattle, mostly because of the tsunamis. Yeah, I didn't escape earthquakes. And yeah. we have volcanoes up here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Trucks are gone. Windows closed. Hi, I'm Ron Gilbert, and welcome to the weekly Thimbleweed Park Development Podcast. And I'm joined, as always, by David Fox. Hi. And Gary Winnick. Hello. And then what we do is uh, every week we talk about what we did last week and what we're going to do this week. And let's start with Gary. Oh boy, I couldn't wait to be the first one. So anyway, um, been working on a number of things. We've uh, on the uh, update on the the uh, website on the blog. We have a, a, a walkthrough with one of Mark's new rooms. Uh, looks really good. So we've been starting to integrate a couple of Mark's new rooms, and uh, it's starting to look like an actual game now, which is pretty amazing. Also, I have started to do a little bit of special case animation for um, us to test that out, and that's coming along. And then the other thing is I'm working on the next rev of not final icons. Uh, that's mainly what I'm doing right now. I'm also looking, starting to look at some um, just ancillary things like, you know, continuing to work possibly on logo and packaging design. That's been coming along slowly, but it's coming along. We'll probably do a post on that sometime in the next short while, maybe in the next month or two. It just kind of depends how well that all evolves. Certainly we have the game to pay attention to, but we will be following up on those things as well. Yeah, the icons looked really nice. Well, that's something being as I basically ripped them off from Monkey Island. <laughs> yeah, no, they look really good. They look really good. You have a tuna can in, in Monkey Island? No, there's okay. no tuna can in Monkey Island. <laughs> David. Okay, well, last week um, was really fun to put in Mark's several of Mark's new rooms. So what do we, what do we have for Mark? I think we have three finished rooms, yeah, right? Yeah, I think we have the Wikipal exterior. We have the studio interior and exterior. It's um, three there, and we have the tower the radio tower, radio which tower. is partially done. So it's like three and a half. I love. It's kind of like getting an erector set. You know, I get all these parts you know, different layers of lights, and I have to figure out how to make them turn on and off the right way, and that's a lot of fun. So the ones with with lights or dripping water or other little things like in the radio station, which I won't mention, um, are just really fun to wire and animate. Well, there's a lava lamp in the radio station. Yeah, that was what I wasn't going to mention. Oh. <laughs> Well, I, I, I mean, I like the way you did the lava lamp because it's you know, the you know the little balls of wax are kind of floating up and float down, and it actually looks like you're simulating some kind of you know physics thermodynamics going on with those uh, those uh, blobs of wax. Exactly, you should see all the all the math code behind this. 
<laughs> we're, we're heavily using the GPU just, just to do the, the uh, lava lamp math. Right. And I think there's a limit to three lava lamps in a room. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then on top of everything else, you know, we started getting the new lighting in. And that was another toy that I got to play with and just, you know, trying to adjust um, the cones of the lights and the colors and, how, you know, keeping within the limit that we set how many lights we want per room and just seeing what, what worked and what didn't work and, and then going back and forth with you guys to figure out what, what we could do to, to make them more real or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, trying to keep them, you know, subtle too. I, we don't want the, these huge blaring light effects, but they're, they're fun. The subtlety of them, I think, is the big win on the lights. And those were all done by my friend Malcolm. I worked with him on Deskbank, and you know he he did wonderful stuff then. So he's come on and and doing a lot of the lighting and the shaders and stuff, and it's it's really really nice stuff. Nice to see the characters walking around and actually like getting darker or lighter depending on where they stand relative to a light source. Yeah, and it's still got a lot of ways to go. I mean, what was shown on that video is. You know, it's, it's, it's still pretty early. There's, I think we'll, we'll do some really nice stuff with them going forward. Yeah, like, like right now, we don't have a, a way to set like the Z-plane position of a light. Yeah, that's something I want to I get in. So, you know, sometimes lights are behind you and sometimes they're in front of you. Right. So right now, if you walk in front of a light that's like 20 feet away, it's still going to affect you right. when you're right in front of it. Other than that, it's really good. You can get a, a nice green glow from the lava lamp, or you know, how how all those work, and you know, can we get them as close to real life as we can as possible? I, I had a question from what, something someone asked something in the uh, on the blog, which I commented on, which is like you know, because we had added the lights, the overhead lights and things. There's also a lot of really nice lighting effects that Mark adds just with art. So someone was asking about like the neon lights on the quickie pal market and those are all just drawn in. Um, so they're not actually lighting effects other than just the way he's, he's doing cast light on the art. And I love how when the letters of the quickie pal turn on the, the light bounced off the different parts nearby change and get brighter and, and it just looks really nice. So that's done. There's no shader there. Yeah, I think typically our lights are going to be used on actors that have to move. When right. when something is stationary, it'll always look better. You know, if an artist can handcraft the the lighting in there, but they can't really do that for the actors that are moving around the screen. I mean, some people have mentioned, you know, that that it looks like this art is like way more sophisticated than Mark was doing in 1987. And the answer is it's really not that much more sophisticated. His stuff was pretty sophisticated. And I mean, I think, you know, we didn't have necessarily all the lighting effects and multiplanar stuff going on. But, you know, I feel that this is sort of a natural progression still kind of staying in that style. It's not like it's moved ahead to, you know, the turn of the century, you know, after 2000 or something like that. Yeah, it's definitely a, a step up from Maniac Mansion. There's no, no doubt about that. But I do, I do believe it's very much in line with the Monkey Island stuff. Um, you know, the, the shader lights aside, if you just look at the backgrounds that, that he's done, it, you know, it is stuff that, you certainly couldn't have been done back then. He's probably using a little more colors, you know, than we had back then, but but probably right. not a whole lot. And then the parallaxing, we we couldn't have done. I mean, that was just a kind of CPU hardware issue. But the but in terms of just the the light, I I do think it's it is pretty authentic for the Monkey Island era. 
Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I think that we're going to do that sort of breaks that, and I still think it's very much still in the same feel as the vertical scrolling that we're going to do. I mean, he right. did some vertical scrolling stuff that I think is going to look really cool, and we haven't put that in the game yet, but it still feels, at least to me, like it very much captures the same feeling. I'm certainly having the same feeling as I work on this as I did when I worked on those things. I don't feel like I'm, you know, you know, in the future or something. Yeah, there, there's that you know, pixel aesthetic and there is the classic adventure game, you know, point and click aesthetic that I, you know, I, I think we're still very much adhering to, even though the art is, has kind of done this jump from the Maniac Mansion art that, you know, we showed in the Kickstarter to more of this Monkey Island style. But I think that really came from having Mark on the project. You know, he was not originally on the project when we did the Kickstarter. But I still think it's very good and authentic. Yeah, that, I mean, that's true. And then the other thing I will say is that the way rooms are laid out, the way you move through the world is still very similar to our scum games like Maniac Mansion or Monkey Island. It's just that, you know, there's more rendering involved and there's some more, you know, uh, layers and effects. But pretty much it still feels to me when you look at, at the composition of the game, it's very similar. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll make some other changes as things go on. But one of the things this is brought up in the comments, but one of the things that I was you know thinking about um, last week, you know, as all this art was going in, are things like the fonts used on the verbs, right? Because those are very uh, C64 font for the verbs. And if we are kind of edging ourselves a little bit more towards Monkey Island, you know, maybe we should change the font, you know, this down in the verbs as well. You know, that might be a good idea because, you know, Zach used the C64 font and Maniac used the C64 font mostly because they were on a C64, but the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, we did a custom font for, and then Monkey Island, you know, had yet another, you know, thinner, more custom font. And it might, it might be interesting to just do some mock-ups and see what that looks like and, you know, make sure it doesn't kind of edge too far away from, you know, from the vision of the stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think we should play around with that. And also people kept talking about sort of the dark box behind the text. Yeah, that I mean, that's just, that is really temporary. And I just threw that in because I was realizing things were a little bit um, noisy. You know, Mark's backgrounds uh, have a lot more noise in them than the original ones did. So I just threw that in there to say, hey, I wonder if this is helping. But I don't, I don't plan on that being a final thing at all. Yeah, some other people mentioned that the actors now seem to not match the backgrounds yeah and that's some again that's something that we're going to work on I mean, we haven't done a lot of rendering on those i absolutely want to make sure that we keep the big bobbleheads to me that is super important but you know there's a lot of rendering uh that goes on in detail that'll go on in those actors that we just we just haven't gotten to yeah yet. i mean i think that you know whether or not people have reactions i think they're going to be very similar to what we have they're just going to have you know smoother animation you know some smoother things on them and you know possibly you know as ron mentioned a number of you know rendering type you know lights and shaders and stuff like that and maybe you know some edge lights and things that will make them might be much more sort of cohesive in the design but they're going to look very similar to what they look like right now i'll go on record and say that yeah yeah i, I think that is a part of that vision you, David, you said earlier you had some questions about the, the dialogue formats. Yeah, should I ask now or do you want, should we have Gary go and do his update? Oh, Gary did his update. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. All right. Well, I, did, I did my update before you. Uh, yeah. Never yeah. mind. 
All right. Well, I'll do mine. Uh, last week, I spent most of my time working on the dialogue stuff and uh, helping Malcolm out a little bit with the lighting. Uh, it was his, it was his first time, you know, into our code base, so there were a lot of questions, just uh, you know how the code is constructed and stuff. But he's really off and running now. So a lot of time in dialogues. I wrote. There's a very important dialogue at the very beginning of the game where the you know agents Ray and Reyes uh, talk to the sheriff of Thimbleweed, and and so I wrote that. I started to write it as just a long kind of more sequential cutscene, and it really was just getting long. So I changed it into a dialogue where you're having more of a conversation with the sheriff as he, you know, takes you through the different steps. And there's, you know, there's no spoilers here, but at the beginning there are these four things he needs to tell you about. And my first rev of the dialogue, he just kind of told you about the four things, and it seemed a little bit um, boring. So I changed that into a dialogue. So now, you know, you ask about the four things and you can ask about them in any order and you can go back and re-ask about them. And, you know, the lines are different a little bit the second time. And I think it makes that opening flow a lot better. I that spent most of my time working on that and I made some changes to the dialogue format as well. And I think next week I'm going to be doing a lot more dialogues. I started to do my first dialogue yesterday also, since we have no documentation, you know, either asking wrong questions or trying to figure out what you did in the ones you already have. I don't document on purpose, so that's so you can't fire me. <laughs> I figured out that you can put a comment with a, with a semicolon in front. Because <laughs> I couldn't find any comments. <laughs> I say, wait, is there any comments here? Yeah, to... I never comment my code. <laughs> and I have to comment because if I come back two days later, I can't remember what I did. So if I'm trying to fix something, i got to do it. Um, but I had a couple questions on that. One was... Um, obviously, since we're going to be doing voice, you really have to be specific about who's saying something, or we have to have we would have to have the actors record. If it's possible, two two different actors could say something, then they would both have to be recorded separately. In the case right now, you have a um, a bracket, something in bracket, which is like whether this is true or not will determine whether the line shows up. It looks like you can only do one of those. So. For example, if you wanted it to be Agent Ray saying it and you wanted another term to be true, you'd have to put those all in the same bracket. Is that correct? No, you you can have multiple bracketed things. Okay. You you can have as many bracketed things. The only the only thing is that they're ands. So if you have two brackets, both of the things in in the conditional brackets have to be true. So okay. it's, it's it's ands and not ors. So you could in, you could put in brackets Ray and then Ray as in another set of brackets, and then the line would show up if it's Ray or um. Oh, actually that wouldn't work because it's an and. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That wouldn't work. But you could do Ray in a bracket, and then you could have whether a character saw something or yes, not. Yes, correct. Right. Uh, as I tried that and didn't. Oh, I know why it didn't work. It was because. Now I have to look at that again. I'm pretty sure I tried that again get to work. There, there was a there's a global variable I had declared earlier someplace, and it didn't seem to be. Oh, I know it. Okay, I'm sorry. I tried to set a variable at the beginning to the actor to an actor's name, and I didn't understand that. Yeah, it's not going to understand that because what it does when you put an actor's name in the brackets it it does a little bit of a special case where it it looks at the thing in the brackets and it and at first it tries to find out whether that is actually an actor or not it's not going to look inside a variable to find an actor so when you put an actor's name in brackets it does actually have to be their name okay 
Okay, well, I'll play some more. It, it, it's fun. There, there. Oh, the other question was um, like when you have a number in front of a line, that's not just ordering. So if you have two ones, does that mean that it's going to do one or the other based on the code? Yeah, what it does is it, these are for the dialogue choices. And so what it does is starts at the top. And let's say you have three lines that all have ones in front of them. It's going to look at the first one and it's going to look at the conditions. And if the conditions are not true, then it goes on to the next number one. It looks at those conditions. If those conditions are true, then it's going to skip all the other number ones. Okay. So there can only be one number one or one number two in the dialogue. And it's just the first one that matches the conditions is the one that's chosen. Okay, great. That should do it for now. Okay, excellent. That was all incredibly interesting. I want you to know from my perspective, that was the definitely most engaging part of the podcast. Is hearing about that. So I'd like to make sure that we do more of that and I'll just be quiet the whole time. All right. Well, I think that is it for today. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay,